Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the greatest sports journalist in the history of Erie, Pennsylvania, Mr. Mike Balco. Boy, my boy Michael Balco, writer, podcaster, sports enthusiast. He is the first guest that we have on the Black Eagle Hour podcast this year. He had just contributed, and he also has his own podcast, the Mike Belco Show. Uh, I want you all to uh, welcome Mr. Mike Belco. Today, to speak about the New Orleans Saints is Michael Belco from the Michael Belco Show. Host of the Michael Belco Show. Please welcome Michael Belco. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Michael Balco Show. You already know, season three debut right here. It's your host, Mikey B. Come on now. You already know who your host is. You've been here for three years now. That's wild. That's wild. But today, it's not about me. It's about my guest. I'm excited to announce him. He's one of the best JUCO wide receivers in the country, a TikTok creator with over 160,000 followers at the time of this recording. It's only going up, though, man, just like the stock market. And one of the most dedicated athletes I can very confidently say that I've ever interviewed. Tyson Schilling, how are we doing, my man? Doing good. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for reaching out, man. And it's great that we could just collab today and just talk, chop it up a little bit on the show, you know, kick off season mm-hmm. three. Make it lit. Make it lit as shit, my boy. But first and foremost, we got to rep that area code. Tell us about your hometown and what makes it so unique. 651, baby. So I'm from St. Paul, Minnesota. Freezing cold up here. I think right now it's it's about negative 10 or something the last few days. So happy new year. Um, Yep. Born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, Always been a a Minnesota guy. You know, it's cool. You know, I I like, I love Minnesota because we always say we got, no hurricanes, no tsunamis, no anything. We're in the perfect area. So that is, it's got its pros and cons when it comes to the weather, especially. But some of the best, beautiful, most beautiful summers you'll ever see. And the winters are beautiful as well. So, you know, got to love it. So that's what's up. That's what's up. So tell us a little bit about your recruiting journey out of high school and uh, how you ended up at Iowa Western. Right. So I had a very, sorry, my dog's barking a little bit. I had a wild journey. Um, so I always wanted to do something with football or basketball. Honestly, I was a big basketball guy growing up. I was basketball heavy, training, camps and all that stuff. And I, I went to my local high school here kind of up the street from me because my brother was two years older than me. He went there. Um, I knew we did not have the best rep for being the best high school or anything or being necessarily good. And I always knew that going into it. I was like, I, I don't want to go here. We're not. Uh, it's not going to get me to where I want to be. Um Still did it anyways. My parents made me like, your brother's there. I was a quarterback at the time. Um, they're like, go throw to your brother. He's a running back, you know, and live it up. So I went to high school. Um, first year, I was I was freshman quarterback. I was uh, back up for kind of varsity. I started some JV stuff, so I played there. Um, ended up breaking my collarbone in the season, just getting crunched on a sack. So I was like, all right. And we came back again the next year. Um, I was starting varsity over there. So I was playing with my brother, but I wasn't quarterback. Um, There was open spots, so they're like, we're going to start you at corner. So I started at corner and safety and some skill stuff like kick returner and punt returner. Um, So I played there for a little bit. It was just – it was a pretty rough season. Um, 
So I remember the last game, you know, my brother hugged me and he told me, he's like, you, you got to get out of here. So I was like, all right, that's all it takes. And my brother telling me at the last game crying that I got to get out of here. I was like, we got to get out of here. So I went around the local area, started looking for schools and I, I came across, um, my next high school was, was a powerhouse private school down in St. Paul. So down in the capital, not too far, honestly, still super close to me, which is crazy. I knew tons of people there. So I ended up transferring in my junior year. Um, I was still, it was off the sports really. So my family had to make um, some pretty big moves. So here in Minnesota, we got, we have a transfer rule. So if you want to transfer high schools and play varsity, you have to move your residency for I believe six months. So believe it or not, they, they took that jump with me. So we, we kept the house we have now that I've lived in for, for many years now, but we got a little place um, downtown, not in one of the nicest neighborhoods. So I was living in a duplex downtown in the, in the west side of St. Paul. Um, I was living there just so I could play sports at this, at this private school. So I was there. Um, once football season came around, um, I was a quarterback. You know, I was coming into a super political situation. You know, it's, it's a private school, so people are there. They're, they're paying money to have their kids play be successful so i went into there and the coaches were just were honest with me they're like hey i mean our starting quarterbacks returning we went to the state semis last year we got three other quarterbacks that are your age which is obviously a red flag and they're like well we got an open receiver spot you're super athletic and growing up i always played skill positions so i was like i knew it would come back and bite me in the ass one day for being so athletic i was like yeah okay so they kind of, you know, I worked my way into it. I was, I was now starting receiver after never really playing receiver ever in high school, et cetera. Um, so I grew in that position and trained one of my teammates is a University of Minnesota commit. So I worked a lot with him. So I played and kind of fell in love with that position. Um, so at the end of my junior year is kind of when the recruiting actually started. I was kind of a late guy. So going into my senior year, um, I didn't hear from any schools. And the very first school I heard from was actually Yale. So I heard from an Ivy League school, which I was just checking my email. I was like, whoa. I was like, they got the wrong guy or something? Because I was like, I don't know if I'm if I'm there for that. I was like, okay. So it kind of came apparent to me that I was actually, my football was kind of my number one. Um, I was still basketball heavy at the time. You know, I was waiting for basketball season. We're known for having a great basketball team. So I was, I was mainly excited for that. And then that that outside football stuff started coming in. So I started taking it more serious. I started training more off season. So I, I played the basketball, the basketball season that, that first year. And uh, I was stuck on JV as a junior. And if anybody knows JV as a junior, it's not that good. You're like, oh man. So I was sitting behind, um, you know, they brought in my, my best of buds, but they're all four and five stars ranked nationally basketball players. And I'm the little five eleven white guy. I'm like, um, this thing might not work out as good as I thought. So, you know, I enjoyed the year. I played basketball, got, you know, some garbage minutes. Everybody knows end of the game, you'll get in. Um, so that really pushed me to, like, realize that football was kind of where I belong more. You know, growing up, I loved it. So that's when I really dove in. My senior year, I quit basketball. I was just training um, all off-season stuff. And we came into the senior year, and that's when – um, camp season hit. A lot of people know about camp season. Going into your senior year, you really want to make sure you go to tons of camps and get that exposure. Um, so I was bouncing around camps. Um, a lot of some D2 camps. Obviously, I went to some D1s. Uh, I went to Minnesota Gopher Camp. I had a great camp there. Um, got some good write-ups and some stuff. And then I think going into my 
my senior year is when I got like my first scholarship offer. I got a D2 offer from University of Minnesota Crookston. So they're actually shut down now. Um, I'm pretty sure the program had only like three to five wins in the last seven years. All right. So we started, we started, we started somewhere. Right. So I got that close to my birthday in May. Um, and kind of went from there. I mean, it was still a great feeling, obviously getting that, getting that first offer and just kind of growing from there. Um, so heading into my senior year, we had a, a new coach transition come in. So we got a brand new coach who, who's a alum from the school, used to coach or play, I think, back in the day. But he came in with a completely different style, which was honestly, for me, it, it was more for the worse at the time. He, he brought in a lot of old school stuff, a lot of old school flavor, which, you know, and now, nowadays football, honestly, old school doesn't work. You need to have you need to have that flash and the, the new offenses and guys doing all this crazy stuff. So we brought in a new coach and that's kind of when everything just shifted around, you know, still recruiting wise, I was still getting a lot of those schools, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, the ones that I was looking for or really dreaming towards. So I was, I was racking up a lot of NEI offers, a lot of D2 offers, obviously nothing wrong with that. I respect every division. I still today talk to every division just because I never know you know, where a coach will end up or where I'll end up. So uh, just letting everything in, you know, and then the senior season, we, we racked off the first the first four in a row. We were number two in the state. It was like, this is where we need to be. And then we lost the next five in a row. So we had an absolute tank of a season, just nosedived, lost the next five. All You know, everything broke loose. It was terrible. Guys were freaking out. But that that's when the recruiting really picked up. Sorry if that was, that was a long backstory, but – Oh, kind of good. just puts me to where I am. So um, after that, we got into the to the off season. So um, honestly, you know, I don't know. I, I did not have a good relationship with my head coach. Um, it, it was really not nothing for me. It was kind of coming in. I I just you know when somebody doesn't like you and you don't know why, but <laughs> you just can't change that. So yes, sir. You know, I, I acknowledged it, and I had co- my own coaches telling me like, I mean, you guys need to try to get on the same page, especially with recruits coming in the coaches coming in so I was I was you know I had meetings with him just trying to get rid of that edge and just be up front like I need you to get where I want to be um he he still didn't really take that like I don't know yeah we'll do this so I had a lot of schools contacting me coming in to visit me in school um and I remember once I had it was actually a JUCO Iowa Central came in and you know this is near the end when I was I really didn't consider JUCOs until like the last two weeks. And I, I pulled the trigger and went to one because I was visiting a lot of the D2s. There's a ton in Minnesota. Um, none just felt like the right fit. You know, as a guy, I'm a big dreamer. I've always had these goals I want to hit. And I feel like you only get one shot, especially in football. It's going to break your heart one day to really try to hit those goals. So I, I, that's when I just bet on myself, you know. A lot of coaches were disappointed, but I just, I just decided, you know, I'm going to go JUCO. So... I had schools like Iowa Central come in, and unfortunately, I was waiting all day because, like, once we're here, we'll text you and we'll, we'll, you know, sit down and talk because, you know, it's a big thing to me to coach. And my head coach didn't take me out of class, which he didn't want to, which was frustrating because, when you know, somebody drives multiple hours to come see you and then you can't actually talk with them, that was rough. So that kind of edged off my connection there. So I continued to train and then, one of my buddies I trained with said, yeah, I just visited Iowa Western. It was, it was super cool, blah, 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 amazing facilities. And I'm committing. I'm like, whoa, okay, what's this? Like, 
you're actually looking at JUCO. I didn't really think of JUCO that much. And I, I looked into it. I hit up the head coach. Uh, we hit it off. And I went down there for a visit. And then once I came back the next two days, I pulled the trigger and committed. So that, that got me to Iowa Western. That's dope. That's a crazy story, too. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> all just, over the place. I'm going to have an autobiography one day, I'd say. It's gonna be Do crazy. it. Do yeah. it. You should. But what's it like, real quick, this is kind of off the dome question. What's it like, you know, you said you kind of had, like, clashes and stuff with your high school coach. What was it like whenever you got, like, a really good connection with a college coach that wanted you to be a mm-hmm. part of their program? What was that like? Yep. I mean, that that was honestly the best feeling, you know. I've always wanted to be where, where I'm needed, not wanted, if that makes sense, especially in college football because, you know, a coach will show interest in you, but that doesn't mean you're going to come in and play and, and be his buddy because once the paper's signed, it's a whole different world, you know. So, yeah, having those coaches really just, like, constantly call me and reach out, like, hey, I, I want you. Like, they openly say that I want you, I need you in my program. It was a great feeling. Unfortunately, a lot of those were the programs that I personally didn't feel like I wanted or needed at the time. So going to Iowa Western and meeting those coaches and really just having that energy of everybody wanted the same ultimate goal of being successful. And I, biggest thing for me was, you know, I want to get to the NFL one day and I, I want to be around coaches that can do that for me. So when they're like, yeah, we're going to get you division one scholarships and you're going to get to the league and all this. And they're like, we're going to get you ready. I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. You know, obviously school is a huge part, but coming out of high school, that's not your biggest focus is I I need to go somewhere to get my degree which obviously it is but a lot of those schools were academic heavy school first so I want to be somewhere sport first to really launch me forward and then once I met them and they said that that's all I needed so that's what's up that's what's up so you eventually ended up transferring from Iowa Western to East Los Angeles, a complete culture change right there. My yeah. Man. <laughs> yep. What factored into that decision and was it a difficult decision? Oh, all right. So this one, this is, this is when it gets crazy. So obviously COVID hit, right? Um, normally, you know, there's a, there's a spring season and a fall season in football and college football. So normally the fall season, obviously is a game spring season, you'll do still practices, scrimmages, uh, you know, spring stuff and you still get recruited. So when COVID hit, um, Iowa Western told us that we had to flip that. So we had a fall season was our spring season and our spring was now our fall. So the very first fall I was there, I got there early, like July, July 5th, it was the day after the 4th. Um, I got out there. So we were practicing every single day, ended up doing scrimmages and stuff. You know, it was really going good. I was looking high on the depth chart. Um, and I ended up, I tore my knee. So I tore my meniscus on both sides and I strained my ACL. So that was a huge setback. So from there I had to go home, get surgery. And I ended up rehabbing like super fast. It was like three to four months and I was back. I hit, I hit the ground running and stuff. Um, I went back to Iowa Western, you know, their trainers were amazing because of the facility. So I was doing rehab two, three times a day and they got me right back and I got, I got cleared uh, the day before camp started. So you know what college football camp is. It is it's the worst, right? That's when you're going to go 21 days straight, no breaks, and just dive into it. And they're like, Damn, you, you want to do you this? You couldn't get cleared like a couple weeks into camp, bro? Exactly, like- <laughs> exactly. And I, I just tore my knee, so I just rehabbed. Obviously, I'm not going to be as fast as explosive. And they're like, all right, yeah, you're, you're good to go. I was like, really? So I went into camp. Um, it was – 
I, I feel like I really I didn't miss a step. You know, I came back into it hot as a guy who just tore his knee. I was moving and stuff. So we did testing, obviously, and I thought I was going to run a 4-4 my first day back, and that was not the truth. That was the ugly truth. Found out quickly I was not as fast as I was or as explosive. So luckily I didn't have to wear a knee brace or anything that would slow me down. So I dove back into it. You know, I was fighting for spots, but during the spring, you know, the fall season was done for the big D1s that played. So tons of transfers came in. So we had a bunch of big-time guys, you know, NFL sons, NFL brothers coming in, guys with big names and stars. And that's that's a big thing in Juco is politics. So no matter how good you are, if a guy's coming in who had, you know, we had a receiver who had 50 offers out of high school. If you have 50 offers out of high school versus, you know, some kid from up north Minnesota, it's going to be hard to beat that out, even if it's off of skill, just because of who the guy is. So, you know, we were competing for spots and stuff was going good. And then, you know, it, it was hard because over there, there's there's an in-state, out-of-state rule. So if any Iowa JUCO, 53 guys on the roster have to be from the state of Iowa, which leaves not a lot of room um, to, for especially traveling. Traveling to games is a smaller roster than a home game. So we all thought everybody was going to play. And then they hit us kind of the week before, like, no, a certain amount of guys have to be from Iowa. And they don't tell you that when you commit or anything because, you know, it's a huge red flag. They just say, you know, a few guys, it's not a big deal. Um, so when you get there, you find out quickly, like, this kid's not good, but he's from Iowa. He, he actually might play. Hey, the so, Iowa kid's different, bro. <laughs> yeah. So I'm telling you. I'm, it's the corn, you got, dog. You got the, the big corn farm Iowa kids, and they're, <laughs> they're beating you out for your spot. And you're just like, how? But we had our receiver room hit 40 guys. It was, 30, it was 35 to 37 guys at a junior college, which is insane. Dwindle it down. That leaves eight could travel. So four had to be from Iowa and four out of state. So a guy like me, I'm fighting for four spots with 30 other guys. So I'm fighting with guys, you know, that are obviously older, have more experience, guys that have been there like freaking three years or guys that have had the stars and the politics. So, you know, and I, and I still paired up pretty good. But eventually when camp got down and we were getting closer to closer to games, um, there's a little switch and they kind of like snuck me in on scout team a little bit. And I realized it. I'm like, this, this is scout team, isn't it? Um, there's two separate practices. One would be at like five in the morning, like right early at get up super early and the next one will be right after that so they'd, they'd switch guys around in groups without really saying anything we'd just be like okay coach like that's cool i'll go to a group now you know get more sleep and then you come in and you realize like the first group's got a lot of better guys than my group and then that's when it kind of came out like the week before like yeah this group is all scout guys helping out the defense and these guys are helping out the offense so you know i met with my coach just to be clear he's like yeah you're, you're there just right now um, obviously you're a baller, you're going to get a chance to play. And I, I was tearing up the first team defense. So I enjoyed it in front of the head coach. Like, yeah, I need to play, you know? Um, they're like, your time's coming. You're going to play. Don't worry about it. So the week started passing and passing. And eventually we got to like week five or six. And I'm like, coach, I haven't even got pulled up to the, the starting practice group. Like, is there still, you know, what's going on here? You told me there's like a 90, there's like a 99% chance that you'll play this year. And they told me, well, unfortunately, the way things are going, I, we don't think that's going to happen this year. So that was a huge, like, oh, I was like, you know, it's, junior college is extremely hard mentally. You know, there's, there's days that are down and days that are up, but you can never really be 
feel settled because it's always going to change. You know, there's days that you'll just break down. There's days that you'll feel amazing. And you just got to come every day. You got to, you got to, you know, eat your food with the guy next to you and then fight for the spot with him just to play. So once I found out that there was no chance of me really playing and it was a COVID year, which the eligibility didn't count, that's when I was like, well, maybe I should look at other places or start exploring a little bit because a lot of guys, once they find out they're on scout team, you know, they pack the car and left. They're like, I should, you know, whether they're good or not, you know, some guys were scout team, obviously, but they're, I should play. I'm going to leave. Um, I, I've never quit, never been a quitter or anything. I don't call myself a quitter, but um, college football is a business, obviously. You got to do what's best for yourself. The coaches are going to do the same. I mean, you see it now. Coaches are taking paychecks and saying bye and just catching the flight. So that's when I'm like, it's a business. I got to do what's best for me. So, you know, I came to realization, you know, they started playing away games and I was sitting there and I'm, I'm four and a half hours from Minnesota. So I'll drive back home on a weekend, see my people and just talk to my parents. Like, yeah, I mean, they're going on away games and we just sit here for three, four days doing nothing. So I realized, you know, like this probably isn't where I want to be. They supported me. So talk to the coaches, you know, it's like a, like a uh, exit meeting in Hard Knocks on the NFL show, just sitting out with the coach. I'm like, but I was doing it. I'm like, I, I think I found better opportunity. I appreciate everything, and I, I think we're going to depart ways. So they, they loved how professional it was. You know, a lot of guys go in there kicking and screaming and stuff. So I just emptied my locker. You know, obviously it was tough with the connections I made with the guys that have been there forever. Uh, but a lot of people understood. Even, even the coaches told me, because um, that's kind of when – one weekend I was driving back to Minnesota and I just started going through my phone, looking at people to call coaches who recruited me. I was calling some, some Cali Juco's. I looked into uh, Butte college, which is up North. Aaron Rodgers went there. So obviously they had some good guys up North is a little different than SoCal with the play style. Obviously it's, it's kind of more Midwesty running and stuff. So I met, um, Treshawn McMillan, which was my quarterback at ELAC. I met him at Iowa Western. So, He's from Minnesota. Somehow I didn't know the guy. Everybody knew of him, but I really didn't. He went to a high school 20 minutes from me. I just still didn't know him. He was my, my friend's quarterback, and I never knew the kid. Met him at Western. We were on scout team together. Um, we were lighting it up, all this stuff, and we really had that. We formed a connection just off of playing together and stuff, and he, he, was, he bounced around three JUCOs or two JUCOs already because, you know, quarterback is a super hard position, and the same thing happened to him. Once the season started, the coach said, I didn't expect to get these transfers. You just came in to be a scout guy. And he was in California, Juco. So he flew across the country and found out he was going to be a scout guy. So he went back to Cali, um, reconnected with him on the drive. And we always talked about, he's like, you'd fit in Cali ball. You'd love Cali ball, the play style, the people, everything about it. You'd fit it perfect. And I was like, nah, man, I, I belong here, you know? And then, the weeks went on, and I was like, maybe he's right. So I, I called him on the drive, and he said, yeah, I'm going to go to ELAC. He's Los Angeles. I was like, you mean the Netflix the Netflix school? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay. I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, let me, can I talk to the coach or something? So once I packed my stuff up and went home, um, I got in contact with the offensive coordinator, Coach Drummer, at ELAC. Amazing guy, amazing person. Love him to death. Um, so he called me. And I remember I was actually hanging out with, I was hanging out with a girlfriend, and I was like, I gotta take this phone call real quick. I got a coach calling me, and I ended up being on the phone for four and a half hours. 
talked. I came back downstairs. Everybody was asleep. I was like, oops. But we talked just for hours. And the great thing was getting to know who I was as a person, not only a player, you know. So he really dug in and was like, I could tell off your film this first step that you know what you're doing. You've been coached. You knew this. And they're really big on, I'm not going to fly a guy out across the country for no reason. You know, I'm be honest, like you're going to, you're going to play a lot. Um, it'd be wrong for me to do that because Cali has no dorms, no meal plans and no scholarships. So an out of state, you know, it gets expensive. You're coming out there and you're, you you got to pay for everything out of pocket. Unlike Cali Cali. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I was going to Los Angeles. I was like, geez, I should have chosen a cheaper city. But, you know, and community college in California is free your first year. So, and this obviously was my first year. I'm not an in-state resident. So I was I had to pay a lot out of pocket. So eventually we, we kept talking, chopped it up. And I flew out there for a visit um, just because, you know, they're like, normally guys don't visit JUCOs. But I was like, if I'm moving across the country, I'm going to have to visit and see what I'm getting myself into. So I flew out there. Um met the coaches they're amazing staff i felt so close with them you know just like they wanted me and they're like respected everything about me so you know went, went there saw the facilities obviously not near not like i western you know this isn't a a light up locker room and a state-of-the-art facility weight room like you know this is this is los angeles it's the east side los angeles and it's a junior college so you're going to get what you what you're going for um but the stadium was twenty five thousand. you know never filled past 500 obviously but it was built for like the olympic soccer game or something but just playing in a stadium that big in general looked fun so i was like yeah this looks this looks really cool so the main part i went out there was for the exposure i've always wanted to play on the west coast of like the pac-12 and all that stuff and the play style out there so that was the main reason is you know a cali school is not going to come recruit in iowa because they got guys in their backyard they got hundreds of jucos they can just go pick from right there and come see you in person so that's how I ended up at um, ELAC. Next thing you know, um, they're like, well, could you be out here in a month? And I was like, wait, what? They're like, yep, uh, we're going to need you moved in by a month if you want to be eligible and all this paperwork and stuff. So came back home, finished up training, stacking up some money to get out there. So I moved out and I lived with the quarterback I met at Iowa Western, Trey Sean. So he stayed in uh, Fullerton, Orange County area. I don't know if you're familiar with Cali, but it's a nicer area, but it's far from Los Angeles, about 45 minutes, especially with traffic. So I was staying with him, and the plan was stay on the couch until I got on my feet and found a place that I could maybe get for myself or just stay with him on the couch and not have to pay nearly as much for rent and stuff. And when I got there, um, the receivers coach picked me up. I met him, super cool guy, brought me – and I walked in, and there's another dude sitting on the couch. And I was like, who are you? He's like, oh, he didn't – my name's Guy McCarthy, and I'm staying on the couch too. So we both look at Trey. I'm like, you didn't tell me that another guy was staying here. He's like, oh, yeah, this is a, this is the other receiver I just brought in. So he was a bounce back from FAU and FIU, so he played big-time ball. So we just met, and the next thing you know, we're both sleeping on the couch together. So that's how we all met, and there's it was a – it was a two-bed, one-bath, little small apartment, and we got four guys in there. So rotating showers, rotating food, all that stuff. So it, it was a real California JUCO experience. And then eventually we were all supposed to get a place together because we, we got some money from working. So out there we were put on by our football team for security 
security jobs. You know, there's festivals every weekend and concerts. So you don't need, you know, obviously a big application or anything. They all pay in cash. Just like, come here. Don't let anybody break anything or fight. So we were going to these, like, these hippie concerts, just these, mm, 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 just big <laughs> concerts, just full and like San Bernardino and like Rolling Loud and stuff like that. And I worked 4th of July, like made double pay just so I could stack up some money to get a place. Um, and then finally we all found a place right by the school and they were like, all right, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. And then one of our roommates is like, oh, I can't get a co-signer though. Cause you know, we needed co-signers to help with, you know, like pay set, pay stubs and stuff like that. So we're like, so we just spent months looking and you can't even get in on this. He's like, no, I can't. So they, they, they're leased it and end for the next a month or two. And you know, they weren't in a rush because they're, they're living fine. We're sleeping on the couch every day and, we're like, we need to get out of here. So me and my roommate guy ended up getting our own place. We moved out um, about two blocks from USC. Not a beautiful neighborhood at all. It was in West Adams, so really, really run down neighborhood. Don't go outside a lot unless you got to. Um, but, it, you know, we found a nice spot, a little bachelor pad, and we were kicking it over there. So that's how I got out there. That's what's up. That's what's up. Um, so is – California JUCO, I guess this is the biggest question because, you know, like you kind of touched on, like last chance you, I mean, when when people think of JUCO, they think of last chance you. It's like hand in hand at this point. Is it really, is it really the way, the way it is on Netflix or did they, you know, I've obviously, I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to one of last chance you's very own RJ Stern and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, uh, he kind of touched on the, the whole thing, but uh, let's hear it from you too. Is it is it all it is it seems to be, or what's going on with it? So there it is, but it isn't. You know, obviously they they'll do some stuff because you know it's better to watch, it's more entertaining. But it really depends where you are. For say, Independence, um, that place sucks. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's nothing to do. There's one subway in town and these guys, these guys are just having to just, you know, live off their own and, and find stuff to do. And at the time, Jason Brown was there and obviously like, no, he, he was a hyped up coach. Like that, that was legit. So, I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, you see he's the exact same way. He doesn't care what you think. So Iowa Western, I mean, they said all the time last chance you wanted to record us and put us on the season, but our head coach said he didn't like how we'd act around cameras. He's like, you put cameras, hundreds of cameras in front of 19 year old guys. It's, it's, it's not going to be realistic. You know, they're going to act different. They're going to do dumb stuff. So over there, I would say it is pretty similar, but we were, we were fortunate at our Western to have the facilities and stuff and dorms and be in a, you know, relatively nice town. We're 10 minutes from Omaha. So it's not like we had one subway and nothing to do. Um, we, we found stuff to do, obviously it was in Iowa, which is pretty boring, but the, the actual work ethic is true. Yep. They will wake you up at four in the morning to go roll the field and then go back to your room. So it, it, it is definitely a grind as for Cali. Um, I know there's a season on Cali that was at, uh, Laney that's up North. So it's a little different for SoCal because obviously money, I mean, it's way more expensive in, in Southern California in the LA area. So we had a lot of teammates, um, it was like four to six guys sharing a two bed apartment, all throwing in like 500 bucks for rent. I mean, it, it was a lot. So, uh, stuff with meals too. Our coaches would try to feed us a lot because they know a lot of guys. I was fortunate enough, obviously me and my roommates to get a decent place and, and always have food. 
and I've shipped my car out there and have transportation, but I know a lot of guys have to take the bus. A lot of guys, someone sleep in their car and stuff. And some guys have to work, you know, 12 hour shifts on Saturday and Sunday just so they could make some money up. So I'd say it definitely is true to an extent. Um, it really depends who you're with or, or what the circumstances, but yeah, last chance you just, it's a really good show at displaying the ugly truth of junior college football. Yeah. I think a lot of people just think it's kind of just like filtered or, or, you know, they try to, they try to add too much stuff. That's just not true, but yeah, man. I mean, I've heard from multiple different they, people. They got more than enough to show. You know, they, yeah. they got a lot they could show. So I'm sure they cut out a ton of stuff, too. Yeah. I'm positive of it. Um, I'm about to ask the hardest question I ask every single athlete on this show. Ready for it? Hit me. All right. Who is the best player you've ever played with and against in your entire life? Ooh. Okay. Let me think. Best player I've played with. Uh, high school – um, nobody really stood out to me in high school. I didn't think I was better than. That's just how I am, though. I mean, we had guys go to big time schools, but they were solid. Um, you know, Pierre Dorbach was that receiver with me. He went to the University of Minnesota. He's there right now. Um, I played with a linebacker from my school. Took took a walk on to Arizona State. Eventually transferred to Abilene Christian. So he was he was really solid. Um, I didn't really play anybody in minnesota honestly that was like a like a three four star like corner lockdown or anything but when i got to our western is when i met like my georgia boys and my florida boys and these dudes like showed me their rivals account and i, I see georgia and auburn and all of this stuff so if i'm honest i mean the entire db room at iowa western was insane um that, that was the main reason i became so much better was playing scout team i'm honestly thankful for it i was going against these dudes that were getting offers like crazy and especially out of high school they were they were really good so there's a lot there um who can I think of honestly one is from Minnesota was my roommate um Nambi Obiezer he just committed to TCU um so he just got tons of offers at our West he's a safety I trained with him a lot um I don't know if I would say he's the best because I train with him so long so we know each other so well you know technique wise but he's definitely up there and I'd say the corners of Iowa Western were just they, – they were straps. You know, they were locking down. So I, I'd give credit to those boys. Cali had some dudes. Um, I never really felt like I was outmatched necessarily in Cali. That's why I, I really liked it. I felt like I was tearing it up. Uh, but there, there's definitely some some DBs out here in Cali that, that have 12, 15 offers now that I went against. So respect to them too. That's what's up. What's your uh, welcome to college football moment? Do you have one? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so for I'll just kind of go both because both JUCOs are so different. Um, for Iowa Western, it would be waking up 4.30 in the morning. So I have to go to bed at like 9.10 if I just want to be functional, you know, wake up at like 4, 4.30, go to go to these workouts. And it was it was just yelling and screaming everywhere. You know, first day when you get there and they're trying to whittle out the weak guys, we had to do a workout where we put our hands on our head. and the coach just screams military chants, just right, right, left, right. So we had to hop like a 90 degree angle, you know, side, side, front and back and just hop. And if you messed up, we'd have to restart or it'd be punishment. And this is the entire team. So you got 300 pound guys hopping with the tummy floating, right, left, right. And then dudes are over anticipating it, you know, jumping the wrong way. And dudes are just screaming at each other like, dude, what are you doing? The coach, man, they were there for like three, four hours just hopping, you know, rolling, obviously, is 
terrible. Whoever invented that is terrible. Rolling on the football field will make you throw up no matter what. Um, that, the weightlifting, honestly, the camp, too. There'll be days that you, especially as a receiver, you, you didn't know your legs didn't work like that. You know, you'll, you'll get so sore. It's insane. Thank, thank God we had ice baths. Um, for East Los Angeles, um, I was pretty, you know, it felt good to be like a second year guy. Cause I had a lot under my belt. Like I knew what to expect, you know, coming into a new system and stuff. Like a lot of guys are fresh out of high school and I'm like, Oh, this dude's going to get crushed by this or that. So the, the fall camp for sure still gets me. Um, I made it through every day, which I am proud of. You know, I made it through the whole season without getting hurt. I'm big on taking care of my body, but there was days in fall camp, just, it was terrible. You know, we didn't even get ice baths because um, of COVID. The trainers wouldn't let us even get a trash tub like our Western did. Um, so we didn't really have, you know, those facilities to do rehab. We didn't have the stem machines and the seven trainers like our Western massaging your legs and icing you and you're on your phone chilling, watching Drake. You know, it was, it was just, here, grab a bag of ice and go home and come back tomorrow morning. So, the fall camp will forever be there, and I'm not looking forward to it at the next level because it's going to get worse, and after that, it's going to get worse. It's just something you have to do, so I'd say that, sure. I've heard from a lot of a lot of college athletes that, that make it to the pros that college is the hard part, man. Once you get up to the pros, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. pretty it's, it's chill once you get up there, bro, so you just got to – I mean, you're getting paid, too, so yeah. it doesn't like that. Yeah, you got benefits, PTO, bro, Yeah, <laughs> the exactly. whole nut. Who you bumping to pregame? Um, who have I been? Um, I really bump around. Obviously, you know Drake. Drake's like the goat. He'll get in there sometimes, but you well, know, I met a lot take. of yeah. I met a lot of Florida boys, so I like a lot of Florida rappers now. My favorite's Rod Wave. The Island um, boys, I love him. Yeah, all oh, the Island boys. Yep, <laughs> I know. I'm just playing. Island boy. That's my pregame. <laughs> no, I listen to everything. Honestly, um. I never got, could get into the West Coast music, though, honestly. They, they'd always play it, and I'd be like, this shit's trash. Turn it off. So they'd play that in the locker room. It just wasn't it. I'm like, I only listen to Tupac and anything West Coast. That's it. So I listen to those guys, a lot of Florida rappers. Um, yeah, all over the place, really. Anything rap I like. No yeah. country, though. No country at all. Damn, that's tough. Yeah, I don't, I don't like country at Can't all. Listen. I don't know. Guess you can't really bump to a pregame, bro. Nah, nah. Nothing like a little. That, that's the biggest. Drive, driving your, driving your truck. Workout music. Yep. Fact. In the pregame when you're warming up, you know, you got those certain cities you're in. One city will play some real rap music, you know, like we're in Long Beach. They're playing bangers. And then we went up to Bakersfield, California, and they're playing 1980s rock and roll. So really depends where you're at and when you got that kind of music on you're like you got to find your inner demon and just jam out so I feel warm right. up to space jam i <laughs> i ain't gonna lie though bro in country concerts it kind of different though man that's what i've heard though that's what i've heard <laughs> country music just chilling bro like on your way to work or something bro there ain't nothing better some good yeah. old country music but pre-game bro gotta gotta bump the rap for sure yeah for sure so back to football You've been getting some, uh, you've been landing some offers for some D1 schools lately. So, how's it feel to finally kind of reap the rewards, man? All that hard work you've been putting in. I know you ain't done yet. Not by any means yep. are you done yet. No. But how does it feel to finally start to be able to reap some of those rewards? 
Oh, it feels great, obviously. Um, not only those, but, you know, every scholarship I've gotten from the D2 level and the NAI level and even, you know, D3 interest, I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. So, you know, it was definitely, it was a huge, like, sigh of relief just having somebody finally notice me. And it's funny because a lot of the, those coaches um, that offered me, they all point out the same thing. Like, I, they're like, I can tell you have a chip on your shoulder. I can tell you seem like pissed off when you're playing, like somebody did this to you. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, high school, last Juco injury, like there's, there's a huge chip on my shoulder. It's getting stale now. So I have that, you know, I, I love that they'll respect that and my work ethic. And obviously I'm huge and getting it done in the classroom. I kept the 4.0 to Juco so far. Never missed Maybe, a day. Yeah, no, never. I've never missed a day of class and practice of meetings of any of that, you know, and it got, I, it's not really noticed now, but when you get to the next level and the next level, that that's huge. You know, if, if you, you miss an NFL meeting, you're going to end up being cut. Um, that's how I've kind of lived my whole life. You know, I never missed a day at elementary school. I never missed a day at middle school or high school. Like, I like being there. I like being in environments. And, you know, dudes would be like, oh, meeting. I'm like, dude, I love meetings. I love taking that tape and talking to coach and just, just moving myself up the depth chart to be successful. So, Getting those scholarships is a great feeling, you know, having them come in and, and meet me in person. I think that's a huge thing that helps me sell myself is if I can just get in front of the coach, you know. Obviously, there's the eye test there, you know, like they'll look at me a little bit like, mm-hmm. but if, if I could shake their hand and talk to them and they'll see the kind of person I am, it's it just kind of game over for me. You know, I'm going to take take that advantage. So I'm super thankful for those. Obviously, um, it's a little different now commitment-wise because, you know, the transfer portal opened up like crazy. Coaches are bouncing around like crazy. And it's a lot of guys in my position, you know, we got we got good offers, but it's like we don't want to pull the trigger if we don't know if a coach is going to be there or if we don't know until everything settles down that we just want to dive into it, especially out of JUCO. You know, I don't want to be one of those guys in the portal in the next year or two being like, well, it didn't work out. I just went because it was D1. So, you know, I'm open to everything still. and Yeah. This next question I'm only asking because you reacted to it on my Twitter. So I got to ask it. All right, let's see. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this Antonio Brown situation, my guy? Man, so obviously at first when I saw it, I'm like, there's a backstory. This, you know, there's always a backstory. Um, I never really grew up watching a lot of AV, honestly. That's weird. Like, I don't remember watching a lot of Steelers games or anything or really, like, I knew he was, watched the highlights here and there, but I never was like, A.B. is like my favorite player, like booming for life and all this stuff. Um, once, you know, all the crazy stuff happened a year or two ago, I noticed that. So when when you do that in the game, I'm like, you know, there is probably some mental health stuff there, obviously, but the dude's been through a lot too. Like, I got some sympathy for what it, what's happening, obviously, and then, at first, I'm like, he's he's kind of crazy. And then that story broke out that the coaches, he was like, I'm hurt. And the coaches were like, well, we don't care if you're hurt. If you're hurt, just go home. Like, leave. You're done. So it sounded like they kind of cut him on the sideline. They were just like, you're done. Leave. Take take your shit and go home. So doing that to a guy like that, you know something's going to flare up. You know, we've all met people like that. You have, you know, you have to let Tom Brady go in a different way that you'll let Antonio Brown go, you know you got to know how he's going to react in, in an area like that. So I'm pretty sure to me that makes more sense, especially with the incentive stuff that they said he was this close to three, three, three and three, 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 and almost a mil. Um, I would be really angry too. If 
you know, that's embarrassing to tell you to go to the locker room in the middle of the game and walk in front of everybody um, and take your stuff off. So that makes more sense to me why he threw that and was just – that was his way of going out, you know. We don't know how long the dude was going to be in the league for, honestly, maybe another year, but he, he's, he's made it pretty open that he doesn't care. You know, he, he, likes, he likes football, but he literally posted on Instagram and said, football is not who I am. He posted like an ad. It was hilarious. So I think that's what that is, is him. He wants to be remembered in a way. He's like, I'm going to go out like this. And then there's video of him in an Uber. And he went to the Nets game last night. Like, the dude's yeah. unfazed. So the way yeah. he's handling it, I'm like, that's kind of like some king shit. You know, like, he's yeah. doing, it's like I respect it. I'd Rather than just being cut, being in headlines, like, oh, they cut him on the sideline. Dropped Nobody a whole ass that. album, bro. Yeah, right? You dropped a song. I was like, what is, yeah. what is going on? So I don't know how you feel about it, but that's that was like my first take was just like, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Listen, bro, when AB did that, I was crying because yeah. like, I don't know. I live in Erie, PA. So like Pittsburgh's not too far. So I've kind of followed him his whole career. And mm. he's even he's come up to Erie a few times to do some local attractions and whatnot. But mm. so like AB's pretty familiar in my area. And then obviously just kind of seeing him go to Vegas with the whole like foot thing and then come back over to Tampa Bay or like New England and then Tampa Bay. And it's just like, damn. So it's been crazy. And then when I saw him do that, I was just like, honestly, like it's just laughable. And like, I was just like, damn, at least like the Jets had low key something to cheer for, I guess, because they still ended up blowing that that game, bro. Um, Tom Brady came back. (laughs) Always. He always does. Yeah. Impossible. Got comfortable there. Facts. So now we gotta, we gotta, we gotta talk about it. We ain't gonna go this whole podcast without talking about it. We got 161k on TikTok, my boy. Oh, yeah. Got it. How did you get into TikTok? Um, and did you honestly believe whenever you created that account, my boy, that it would evolve into what it has been today? And also, what kind of opportunities has it opened up for you? Man, sorry, I need some water for that one. Um, <laughs> so that started in, you know. When I was younger, TikTok was was musically. I don't know if you knew about that. Too, it was yep. called musically or something. It was like mm-hmm. voiceover, you know, kind of kind of dumb stuff. Um, quarantine hit. And I remember like it was mainly a lot of girls had TikTok at the time. Like my girlfriend would be on it. I'd be like, hmm, you know, who who uses that anyways? And then like one day we were just watching them together. I was like, this is actually pretty funny. Like it matches your humor sense. Like it'll it'll pair the for you page with what what's funny to you. Um, I just downloaded it during quarantine because you know we're locked. That's when it really blew up. Everybody's mm-hmm. locked in the house; you can't do anything. And I was an athlete, so I had tons. Of, you know, it's a huge athlete audience out there. So I started making videos, and like my third one blew up, like got like fifty thousand views or something. I was like, whoa! I was like, okay. I mean, this is kind of cool. I mean, I've always been about social media, and who you know, if somebody says they don't want a lot of followers, they're lying to you. You know, it's like everybody wants some social media love obviously you know um it's like you want a check mark and they'll be like no i'm like yes you do you want a check mark everybody wants a check mark um and you got one congrats on that obviously (laughs) appreciate um so yeah i started doing that more and then they just started blowing up like i had one i did a video of my family so my dad's actually black my mom's white my brother's light skinned and then I obviously don't look like the rest. So I made a video on that and it got like 2 million views. And people were in the comments arguing. Everybody's a, a scientist now talking about how genes work. 
or that I'm adopted or my, my dad or mom cheated or something like that. So they're pretty funny though. You know, just laughing at them. I didn't take them serious. Um, just like once you get a good video to really blow up, you know, on any social media, you'll see on Twitter, people will like comment, like, by the way, follow me on Instagram. Like, cause it's, it's blowing up. You got to take advantage of that. So I, I started just posting more and more and while I was hot and I just kind of stayed hot. So after quarantine, I hit like thir- 35,000 or something like that. Um, kind of dwindled down, you know, some videos don't make it that you'd want. Uh, but I, I kind of was like, I never really saw it as a big deal. I always say it's just TikTok clout and it's different. Like if I had 35,000 on Instagram, it'd be way different than TikTok, which it is to an extent today, mm-hmm. you know, like a million on TikTok, you know, is different compared to any other social app. Um, so then I, I kind of dove into it again when I got to Iowa Western and I gained like another like 56,000 over like two, three weeks over there. And I was doing day in the life of a Duco player and just giving like backstory stuff. And obviously that got out. So my coaches knew about it. They were calling me TikTok. You know, I'd have DBs and one-on-ones talking shit to me. Like, come on, TikTok, put that shit on TikTok, do this. And then you route them up and I'd be like, yeah, it's going on TikTok. Later. So <laughs> it was funny. Dudes would always, you know, it still is obviously an issue today. Just at the junior college level, every game I played in California, I had dudes talking about it, like in the middle of the game on the sideline, just talking crap the entire time. But it was funny because um, when it really blew up like that, dudes would be like, like they talk about it and be like, well, maybe you could slip me in a video or something. Just teach me how to do it. I'm like, see, I'm like, you want to do it. It's cool. Um, so it really grew over there. I stuck with it when I came back. Um, I really used it as, as more than just a platform, I'd say. Um, I knew there's a big audience out there that, that I could actually kind of have an impact on, especially with like recruiting and just like motivational stuff. So that mm-hmm. was kind of big for me was, I know there's tons of kids out there who everybody wants to go D1 growing up, but you know, that's obviously not the case. So I made it big, even like coming from a guy who was in JUCO and I had no offers. People are, are trusting my recruiting advice just because I've seen it firsthand. You know, I'm like, you don't need to go play at Alabama, dude. You can go to your local town put up a hundred receptions and just love football. So I really emphasize just loving football on my page and just, you know, kind of bring a little community together. So I never really, you know, I can't really veer off of sports now. Like if I try to post something different, it really won't really hit. It's got to just be sports. Cause that, that's what my audience is. And I've acknowledged that. I mean, you see guys like, you know, if you know, destroying is or AJ green, these guys mm-hmm. build huge audiences, like millions off of just football. So it shows you how big the football audience is. Um, so it really kept flowing. People like fell in love with my story. Um, I did a story of, it's kind of like a series, you know, I used it as like a, like a, a mini TV platform. I was dropping episodes on my journey of how I got to junior college. So I started in high school. That's when I found I you I too. Yeah, really. Yep. So I did like, you know, I did like 16 parts and I've always been decent at editing videos, you know, um, this is like a side note. So I, I grew up customizing shoes and painting shoes. So I, I created a YouTube channel for that. And I mean, that's got like 12,000 subscribers, but I don't use it, you know, just because I think my audience is so much of shoe guys that they'll see me posting football stuff and they'll be like, this is the same. This is who, like, when did I subscribe to this guy? So I've been meaning to try to get back on the YouTube and stuff, but you know, it'll take time. It's a lot more work. You know that 
the editing process, the monetization is worse than TikTok. Like you get like a dollar every 5,000 views on YouTube. It's ridiculous. Um, so then let me hop back into the TikTok stuff. So that was really just like people were following my journey and those were blowing up. You know, like I even had, it was funny. I even, I think I even got in an argument once with Jackson or Patrick Mahomes' little brother, Jackson Mahomes. He commented oh, on one damn. of my videos and said something. So Give us the had, tea. Yeah, man, it was, I don't remember what it was, but you know, a lot of people are like say stuff to him and I think he said something. It was just funny. So it, it brought me a lot of attention. Like he replied to one of my comments and it brought the attention to my page. So I was like, hey, that's fine with me. Uh, so those videos are blowing up and i know i got to a point like i couldn't milk it anymore you know i was just i, I was just literally those videos are just going through my camera roll i was just posting stuff i didn't have to do any work i was just finding camp videos and highlights and doing voiceovers and adding a little music and they loved it so once i did that you know i got back into the juco stuff and then decided i was gonna you know i tore my knee you know it was obviously a huge negative but i used that to an advantage you know because I know tons of people go through injuries and we got to bounce back. So that hit an audience and then transferring JUCOs hit an audience. And when I got to Cali, it was just like a different level of exposure, obviously. So that's what I was excited for. I mean, I'd be in Iowa, like the Canes drive through and then they're like, Hey, that guy from TikTok. And I'd be like, yeah, what's up? So they kind of started growing there. Um, like when it kind of hits you, like it doesn't feel like, like, you know, you know, making an impact on people. But now I think about it, like, 160,000 would, would fill up an NFL stadium. And that's of all people that, that want to follow me. So it's, it's kind of amazing. Like, like, wow. Um, I had, I got my vaccination and this lady was like, Oh, my kids follow you on TikTok. Can I get a picture? I was like, what? And I just got a shot in my arm, you know? So <laughs> Iowa, it was happening. Like it was, it was blowing up a little more wherever I go. And then, um, and you know, obviously to me, it's not a big deal. Like to me, I don't think it's anything, you know, I'm still thankful, but, and then I went to California and I, I ref the seven on seven football tournament and those them dudes in Cali get down different, right? They're some ballers, right? They're they're like eighth graders with the whole Pac twelve under their belt. So mm -hmm. they were getting active and I'm refing and then everybody there knew me. They're like, dude, that's TikTok guy, blah blah blah, like rate my dripper drown and all this stuff. And I was like, dying <laughs> laughing. So Hey, you left my dripper drown on scene, dog. I know, I got I gotta get <laughs> I got to bring that, that, that series back. That did good because <laughs> that drives, you know, the people out there know, but you got to connect your socials. So Facts. that was a big, a big Instagram driver was, yeah, shoot me a DM on Instagram and then I'll put mm -hmm. it on TikTok. So you, you got to use both socials of being big on social media. I gained probably 2000 followers off of dudes who wanted me to rate the outfit. So I was like, you know, I'm going to do everything I can. So them, them dudes in Cali, you know, it was, it was hilarious. They were, taking videos of me out there that were blowing up like Tyson Shealing spotted roughing in California. I'm like, man, what? Like this is getting crazy. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was super cool. Obviously I'm thankful for it. Um, my parents know about it. I mean, my coaches knew about it and they, like my ELAC coaches were cool. They'd be like, man, can I get a video or what? Like, like you playing, like put me in a video. I'm like, I got you coach. So I'll put them in it. Um, new coach Mosley too, from last chance you basketball. He was hilarious. So all those guys, like, they, they acknowledged it and they actually liked it. So obviously it's different at the JUCO level. But when you go to D1, everybody does it. You know, everybody's on any social media they can because of the NIL. And that came out. You know, that helped me. I, was, I already could technically make money and stuff because I wasn't a NCAA athlete. 
So I was I was already doing that. You know, people were like, hey, bro, you can finally do it. I was like, yeah, right. I can finally do it. I was like, <laughs> I've been doing it. Um, so I've been I've been fortunate enough to work with actually like some big brands like PSD, the underwear line and Ethica and stuff. And now I've, I've kind of partnered with NCSA. So I've been working with them, which is crazy because I actually, you know, I worked, I made an account with them growing up, you know, how to get recruited and stuff. You know, people have their hates or doubts about them and stuff. So I was like, well, what's a better way to improve it for other people than work with them firsthand and tell them what they need to fix and tell them how people feel about them and if it's a money grab or if they actually help. So that that's like the biggest one I've been working with is NCSA. I got some stuff coming out with them, which is kind of like ironic. Like I'm working with a recruiting page and I can't even get recruited myself right now. <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to get my own offers and I'm working with a page telling others how to get offers. I'm like, yeah, we'll see if this works. So the TikTok stuff's, you know, great. Um, I'll probably keep doing it no matter how much shit I get in the games and the sidelines. It's hilarious, but we played some heated games, man. I come to the opposing sideline and man, it was just, hectic though everybody knew me and was screaming yeah. at me it was crazy and one one person i'm sure you know who he is clifford taylor the fourth i've actually had him on my show mm-hmm. and uh, i kind of discovered him the exact same way i discovered you like literally just scrolling on my for you page he posted his story i followed him same thing i did with you like you posted your story yeah. i followed you like because that's obviously what i'm all about and uh so and i know he did something similar it's like he was he was playing at florida and obviously a larger audience but still yeah like he's he's playing at florida and his story kind of blew up and he went from flag football to playing at florida like a tight end at florida it's crazy crazy story and obviously i got him on my show and everything like that and now he's a social media manager for the los angeles rams bro so something like that bro god forbid football don't work out bro that's a whole whole ass avenue for you bro it's, exactly it's crazy people sleep on social media bro like yeah you can make all the jokes you want to bro but like that's where the bag's at for real so mm-hmm. you really either know it or you don't you know if yeah you either know how to navigate it and work it you'll see people firsthand that don't know how to work it and if you know how to work it you know it's a blessing you know what you're doing yeah facts who is your biggest inspiration it doesn't have to be football related it could be anything just your biggest inspiration in life why do you do what uh. you do um honestly my parents I know it sounds kind of cliche or overset a lot but you know like I said about you know moving houses for me just to chase chase my own dream um you know my my brother like he wasn't nearly like a risk taker like me and my parents would tell me like you're the biggest risk taker I've ever met like you're you're willing to just transfer some school move houses and just jump into it without knowing what's going to happen I'm like yeah I mean nothing what else you know um so really them because they've supported me in everything like with training with transportation and just like growing up i'd tell them when i was like like six years old like i want to play i want to play college football i want to do this and my dad would would always be there and do the extra work with me and we do like baseball wise we'd get a pitching net in the backyard and he would He'd be like, you could throw, you could throw ten strikes in a row. I'll go get you a DS game. So we'd make like bets, you know. DSs were huge back then, and Super Mario was out and stuff. So me and my brother would be out there all day doing different types of sports. And it was funny. We have little bets. They'd so be like, yeah, you throw twenty strikes in a row and go buy you some dinner. So anything to really like improve the athletic edge is there. So they always, you know, whether it was when I was serious in basketball too, I was training and. They're like, well, that's what you want to do. We'll do it. Just like right now, 
when I transfer JUCOs, like if that's what you want to do, we support it. We'll do it. And you know, it doesn't seem like a like a big thing, but a lot of athletes do have that issue of their parents don't support them or don't know where they want to go. So yeah, I'd say that because you know you have dudes who commit, but suddenly off the fact that their parents want them to go to this place, but you know mine are like that. They're just like go wherever you want. You know, we're not going to tell you what to do. So I would say that for sure. Which NFL receivers do you watch? Take bits and pieces from to put in your own play style. Um, I would if you say, say if like, you say who you think I'm going to say, I'm nah, going nah. to scream I, at I the play, top of my lungs. I play a lot like Tyreek Hill. I get that a lot. No, I'm fine. Right. Uh, <laughs> I always tell people that because you know, obviously, I get you, bro. You're Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Julian Edelman. I'm like, okay, no. but football isn't race. You know what I'm saying? I, like, I know we look alike doesn't mean we play alike which obviously there is similarities and stuff but i always joke around like why can't i play like tyree kill the fast short dark skin guy you know but mm-hmm. i would say um i've never really been big on like an individual guy i like you know i like watching teach tape a lot like there's a there's a page called receiver school and he'll break down every route every step and technique um but one of the best technique technicians for sure is amari cooper he is ridiculous with his, his craft is just ridiculous. His bag goes so deep. Um, him, I really like him a lot. Um, I never really, you know, it sounds crazy. Like now I'm obviously into Cooper Cup and stuff because he's got a cool story, which is really similar to mine, which which I like a lot. But it's not like I watch his teach, but now I watch his teach tape, obviously, because the dude's a, a route genius. Um, but like Julian Edelman was cool growing up because everybody would be like, you play like him because, you know, I'm like, who else can you really say I play like that? It's going to be common, common knowledge to anybody. But I did always love Deshaun Jackson growing up. Ever since he scored that punt return touchdown against the Giants and he ran in the end zone, that was like my favorite receiver. So I really try to like take multiple people, I'd say, because if you really pick one guy, you're not going to be, you know, as successful. I see a ton and it, it may surprise you. But whenever I was right, cut- I was cutting the tape. I see a ton of Christian Kirk, bro. Really? I see like yep. a ton of Christian Kirk, bro. Because like that. Christian Kirk's like a super underrated route runner, but like, mm. bro, he can make every catch out there. I see it. Yeah. I sure. see some. I see some Christian Kirk. I had to throw in that question. That wasn't originally on the old question sheet. No, no. Just because I wanted, I wanted to hit the hour mark. Is our first. Yeah, I, yeah, I, right. I've had this show since. Uh, April 20th of 2020. This is the first one to ever go over an hour. That's crazy. Am I talking too much or? No, it's lit. It's amazing. It's good. It's straight. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I do... by the way, use promo code Tyson Schilling. Go get hey. yourself the coldest water bottle, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sheesh. I'm going to need like half of that revenue. Right hey, tell you. <laughs> hey, it's lit though. It's lit. Hey, sh- tell them yeah. to hit me up, bro. What's going on, man? Hey, I got you. Like, I can literally shoot you a few brands right now and get you a deal. I work with them. Um, they, you know, everybody does it. Like, you'll see them just put the water bottle in the corner or something. But like, mm-hmm. all jokes aside, like this thing stays cold for like three, four days. Like, I keep <laughs> icing it for days. It's I have that, and then there's this thing called Cloudy, which is like melatonin diffusers and like gummies and stuff that help you sleep which i started using those too so i'm like you know those are really cool too i work with them so it's lit it's lit that's dope one last question for you tyson any advice for the young athletes out there what kind of tips can you pass along 
to uh, maybe maybe it's just like high school guys. You know, I know your TikTok's all about it. We're going to link it all mm-hmm. down below and all that stuff for sure. You're also going to plug it here in a few minutes. But what kind of advice, like if you had to narrow it down to just like one piece of advice that maybe you've ever heard, like one general broad statement, what what would you say? Like, boom, here's what you need to focus on to get to the next level. I would say do what's best for you. You know, I've been big on that. It sounds vague a little bit, but you need to really do what's best for you. I feel like a lot of dudes chase names, chase coaches, chase schools that don't actually want them back. I've seen it firsthand. Like, well, dude, this school's big and they want me. I'm like, well, they don't want you. They just, they're interested in you, but you got to go somewhere that, you know, you're going to be successful. You're going to, you're going to develop and get better and grow on the field, off the field, whatever sport it is. And just like, yeah, really, really what's the best decision for you? Because everybody's different, you know, I could get, you know, I could get a big scholarship offer and I could get a mid, but it might not be the right fit at the big one, you know? So Mm -hmm. really, really a lot of guys got to realize that and stop chasing names. I mean, tons of coaches say that obviously it's hard to turn down a really big school or something, but it's like, you know, I'm thankful for what I went through like Iowa Western and stuff and it not working out because then you realize what you're exactly looking for. And that's what made me find ELAC is like, that's what I needed. And that's what I was looking for. So I, I tell coaches now, I'm like, yeah, I want this. I want this. And I want this. And I'm like, super straightforward. I'm like, don't waste their time. Cause you know, they don't want their time wasted. I don't want to waste time with recruiting. So I would say that for a lot of guys out there is you just got to do what's best for yourself. That's what's up. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyson Schilling. One of the best JUCO receivers out there. Not for long. Not for long, though. (laughs) Not for long, though. Where can we find you out on social media? Plug all your socials. All right. Um, TikTok, I am Tox Tyson, T-O-K-T-Y-S-O-N, just like the TikTok name. Um, Any other social, you should be able to just find by my regular name, Tyson Schilling. So I know the Schilling might be hard to spell, but that's just S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G. So spells how it sounds it's lit yep thank you so much for hopping on the show today tyson i'm super excited for your journey man i'm excited to see how it all unfolds for you i'm staying tuned just like everybody else make sure you go follow my boy great story great content man we gotta we're gonna have to chop it up again one of these days yes, this sir. One, we will we're looking sure. we're looking at an hour five whenever we get to the league you know maybe we'll shoot for like two two ten we'll shoot for like yeah we're gonna up it. we'll get an in-person <laughs> one get a little headset on you know, oh yeah going Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to run it up for sure. All right, my man. I appreciate you so much for up on the show. Make sure y'all follow my boy. Peace. The Michael Balco Show is proudly sponsored by Donato's Pizza. Donato's prides themselves on ensuring that every piece of the pizza is important and that they have something for everyone. Donato's should be your top spot for game days, just like they are mine. Check out their website at www.donato's.com for more information.